Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 108, Economic Abuse. It's April 4th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and so on. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moscovich. Economic abuse. This is a very important and significant topic for society and for individuals, in my opinion, because the real power of this podcast lies in the potential of the information helping someone to prevent economic abuse from happening to either themselves or someone they care about. And when you can prevent economic abuse from happening to someone because you're awake and aware of it, you understand it, you know how it works, you have then a huge opportunity not to be trapped economically in an abusive relationship. So for those two reasons, This is a very, very important topic, in my opinion, so let's get going. If you happen to be new to my content, I hope you will visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway because, of course, that would make me happy. Here's my disclaimer. I am not a therapist or a medical professional in any capacity. You, as a consumer, should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider or therapist. Nothing that I say in my podcasts, in my YouTube videos, on my website, or in my books is intended to be medical or therapy advice. If you are listening to this podcast and you are feeling hopeless, or you feel that life is too hard for you, or you're thinking about suicide, or harming yourself, I am asking you to stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to talk about how you're feeling. I am asking you to tell people If you need to post on social media, I'm all in for that. I support that. There is an awful lot of help available. My request is that you take the help that's available and make that call. My next note is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for my podcasts on the rss.com website platform. And podcasts for my transcripts will also be coming to my own personal website. I know I thought that was done. That was not done. We're still working out the kinks on that. My other note for the deaf and hard of hearing community is I'm really working to improve my 
pace of speaking, my pronunciation, so that the transcripts are of higher quality for you. I beg your indulgence. I'm trying to improve and bear with me. All right. Now, I want to talk to you about the definition of economic abuse because it's not something that some people are really hip to and aware of. And to, to provide the foundation for the definition of economic abuse, I want to quote from an established and credible authority so you're not thinking that this is my opinion. I have lots of opinions, and when I have an opinion, I'll let you know. But this is from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, NCADV, that on their website. So I quote, and this is from, again, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, quote, economic abuse involves maintaining control over financial resources, withholding access to money, or attempting to prevent a victim or survivor from working and or attending school in an effort to create financial dependence as a means of control. Victims and survivors are often forced to choose between staying in abusive relationships and poverty, or even homelessness. Economic abuse is a very common reason victims stay in abusive relationships. Economic abuse can take many forms, including employment-related abuse, preventing the victim from accessing existing funds, coerced debt, and more. That's the end of the quote. So that's the definition of economic abuse according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence on their website. And there's a little statistic from their website as well. Between 94 and 99 percent of domestic violence survivors have also experienced economic abuse. So let's just let that sink in. Of the people who survive domestic violence, between 94 and 99 percent of them also experienced economic abuse. And from my view and from my experience and from my understanding, in some cases or in many cases, that would mean that economic abuse is a linchpin or a fulcrum for domestic abuse, which can lead to domestic violence. So the thing about domestic abuse is it's all about power and control. If you're new to the domestic abuse or economic abuse topic, I would suggest that you download from the internet various forms of what is called the power and control wheel, W-H-E-E-L. The power and control wheel has different forms or, you know, different subjects, but it's very uh, informative and extremely helpful. The thing about domestic abuse as an overall topic is it happens to all kinds of people. It happens to men and it happens to women. It happens across all ages, across all religions, cultures, socioeconomic statuses, educational statuses, it is a pervasive problem that doesn't target a particular profile. So um, 
the other thing is, while we're tracking domestic violence, it doesn't seem to me, from all the checking I've done, that we have any way to check domestic abuse absent the absence absent of the violence. So we know that the violence piece is affects between one in three women and one in four men and some form of physical violence. Now some of it all doesn't rise to the level of being considered violence, but you know, domestic abuse is about power and control and economic abuse, which is our topic for today, is a way to keep people trapped economically. And in my humble opinion, this is an opinion, the people who will engage in economic abuse, many of them are extremely dangerous. And I have, I have a podcast about dangerous people. So let's dive into the diff- some of the different forms. Now, there are many, many, many different ways economic abuse is actually conducted in terms of activities. But I have a list of 15 different activities to give you the flavor. Number one, preventing a person from working or being employed or having their own income. Number two, coerced debt. Number three, limiting a person's access to money or assets. Number four, taking your partner or spouse's money or assets without their consent or knowledge. Hiding or concealing family or household assets or money. Excessive spending. Lying about expenses and bills to create a false narrative on the finances. Refusing to allow your partner or spouse to see or sign joint tax returns or other documentation. Intentionally withholding necessities like food, clothing, shelter, medications, etc. Taking out loans or increasing debt without the other person's knowledge or consent or forcing them to to consent. Deciding how and when the victim or target can use cash bank accounts, and or credit or debit cards. Sabotaging a victim's employment by various means so they lose their job. Refusing to pay court-ordered child or spousal support. Dragging a divorce on to increase the legal costs and bankrupt the spouse or partner who doesn't have the assets or money. And number 15, dissipating marital assets in advance of a divorce so that the target or victim doesn't have access to the assets or money. So there's 15 different ideas as far as forms that economic abuse can take. And before I go a little deeper with some examples on economic abuse, I want to give you the analogy of boiling the frogs because here's the thing. We are not widely in society talking about domestic abuse. It's just not an everyday subject for, for many reasons. And, and when it does come up, sometimes there's a make wrong or blaming the victim. How, how could they not know? They should have known better, etc. And often on the domestic violence websites, they will use the analogy, I've seen it many times, about boiling the frog. So I want to give you that analogy because it really, in my opinion, is a perfect analogy. If you want to boil frogs, 
typically what you're going to do is you're going to put the frogs into a pan of tepid water on the stove, no heat. The frogs will just swim around playfully like they're in a creek. Then, over time, you gently start turning on the heat and you gently, over time, turn up the heat slowly. The frogs are going to swim around not noticing that there's been a, a slight change in the water temperature. And you continue to do this and at a certain point, the frogs will be rendered incapacitated to jump out of the pot because the water is too hot and they've been rendered incapable of jumping out of the pot. And that is very much the analogy for domestic abuse because people get into domestic abuse not on purpose. And I think that the next piece of this, which is about entrapment or being trapped, is important. But I want you to keep in mind, people don't willingly say, oh yeah, I think I want to go have an intimate partner who's going to abuse me or steal my money. So sometimes in domestic abuse and economic abuse, you actually, what we actually have is our predators. Predators are people who are looking for a target. They're looking for a victim. It could be a woman who wants to have a man take care of her children that she already has. And so she might entrap a man by getting pregnant. It could be a man who's living a double life who wants a cover story, or it could be a man who wants to steal somebody, your, you know, your money, or it could be a man or a woman who, you know, has some other agenda. But there are people who are actually predators, and they have an agenda, and they have a target. So they will use premeditated actions to entrap a person. Like, they really do. They do this on purpose. So sometimes what happens, though, is you, you get involved with an abuser or predator, which could be a psychopath, could be a malignant narcissist or, or just a highly narcissistic person or sociopath. And then there will be some threats. Sometimes the threats are direct. Sometimes the threats are veiled. And sometimes the threats are you become awake and aware to the danger they pose by various means. Oftentimes, by the way, that's later confirmed by law enforcement. And many abusers sometimes, this is even on one of the domestic abuse power and control wheels, is they will use threats of suicide or threats of harming themselves to control their victim. So one of the things that happens with domestic abuse, often in the undertow, not on the surface that's obvious for everyone, is this threat uh, or danger, which is very real. We have domestic violence to prove that domestic abuse can escalate and become deadly or become violent. So the whole idea of economic abuse is to trap the victim financially so they cannot leave. Like, if you're an abuser, that's, kind of, that's a little bit brilliant. If you're the victim, that's like, oh, good night, Irene. So one of the things that happens is those 
people will get trapped economically, and then how do they leave? If you're economically trapped, either in a marriage or in an intimate partner relationship, how do you leave? You either have to have some rescue hero that comes riding in on a white horse, or you have to have a really great friend or a really great family or really great something that's going to take you in and provide for you while you recover. Because unless you have economic support, where do you go? How do you do it? So part of this whole piece of entrapment and being trapped involves trust. In the beginning of most relationships, almost all relationships, I hope, there's this element of trust. Well, I don't know how many people marry somebody they don't trust. I don't know. I'm sure it happens. But trust is really one of the foundations for a relationship that's getting going. And the thing, here's the thing, though. You only know somebody to the level that they will allow themselves to be known. Some people are extraordinary, really extraordinary at hiding their true self. And, and I've, I've even found, as I've talked about in previous podcasts, in platonic relationships, I have trusted people and it has taken me, you know, years, like way, like a long, long time to really see who some people are because some people are excellent at hiding their their number. They're they're really really good at it. So and even like even back in the day there there you know when some serial killers get arrested people will go, "Oh no, 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 you got the wrong guy." I mean, that happened in Buffalo with this the bike path serial rapist killer Al Sanchez. When Al Sanchez was arrested forever ago, his neighbors and people in the community were being interviewed on the TV and they were flat out saying, no, no, you got the wrong guy. Al Sanchez could never have done that. You've got the wrong guy. And they were committed and convinced because Al, Al Sanchez had fooled everyone. He had fooled everyone as to who he re really was. So in domestic abuse, you have this element of trust. Then if economic abuse it becomes in play, then you're really stuck. You're really screwed. And the thing about the trust is I want you to forgive yourself if you got involved in, a, in an abusive relationship. You didn't do it on purpose. And if economic abuse happened to you as well, that again is not something that you planned. And, and you cannot fault yourself for not seeing someone's true character or lack of character because you only can know what they make make available to you and so it's a, there's a blame that happens in society and it's found in the statement which you can find all over the internet in memes and in other public speakers saying you trained people how to treat you that is simply not true i just did a podcast about that because i'm really upset about that Quite frankly, I lay out all the psychology, all of the research, all of the facts that show, no, that's, that is not true. So, and by the way, if you 
have some other evidence or some other research or some major piece that I missed, by all means, let me know because I'm, I'm interested in being factual and truthful and providing valuable content. But for you, if you've been the target of domestic abuse or the target of economic abuse, I want you to not blame yourself and file this under making mistakes and getting it wrong. And hopefully you're going to learn and grow from it. And I do have a podcast titled Making Mistakes and Getting It Wrong because I make mistakes and get things wrong all the time. I just don't go around beating myself up because I'm not trying to be perfect. So I want you, if you are a victim of either domestic abuse or both domestic abuse and economic abuse, to bring a pile of compassion, forgive yourself, be compassionate with yourself. It is highly likely that there's you w- could not have seen it coming. Just like, for example, 37,000 people in the world were bilked out of their money, 65 billion total, over 40 years by Bernie Madoff. Is that their fault? Do we blame them? No, we don't blame them. He was, you know, SEC licensed and approved in his firm and all he had all the credentials. We don't blame them. But we sometimes blame people who end up in domestic abuse and or economic abuse with that with that statement, oh, you trained people how to treat you. No, nobody signs up to be abused, in my opinion. Um, and listen to that podcast and let me know if I'm wrong. Because if I'm wrong, I, hey, I will clean it up and, and make it right. So the other piece about, before I give you some, <laughs> talk about the emotions and give you some really great examples, is the, is the secrecy. So there's a lot of secrecy around domestic abuse and economic abuse in particular. Some people are ashamed and embarrassed that it happened to them. Now, the lucky ones, the Not that you could ever be lucky if you went through domestic abuse and economic abuse. But people will lose their shirts. They will lose everything to economic abuse if they have a really psychopath as a, as a, if their abuser is a psychopath, they're probably going to lose everything and end up with that, like probably. But the lucky ones out of the whole pool will have either a parent or a family member or a good friend or someone who takes them in and lets them live with them rent-free for years as they start to rebuild their life. Those are the lucky ones. The lucky ones have to struggle it out. They may become homeless. They may be left with a ton of debt, and, and it can be a struggle. But the issue is... You know, there's secrecy because people are embarrassed or ashamed. Like, they're embarrassed or ashamed all their money was taken. Well, that doesn't have to be the case. But the other piece about secrecy I have to mention. So, I know this man. I won't give you any details. And I know his wife is economically abusing him. That, That, we know. We know that. And so I did tell one of his close family members, you know, my concerns, which they also share. And the problem is until you're ready to face it, he hasn't faced that. But there are apparently quite a few people who know what his wife is doing. Well, that's probably because she has the audacity to say to people out in the world, outside of her marriage, 
oh, I control all the money. Oh, I have all the finances. He has no idea where the money is. All I have to do is put a document in front of him and he will sign it. He knows nothing. Okay, that gives you the flavor why people were concerned. And in another case, there was a person who was stealing family assets and siphoning money away from the family household money secretly from his spouse. And and guess what? Like most of his co-workers knew about that. They didn't tell the wife. I think maybe later they regretted that. But, you know, it was sometimes when people have such, they lack self-awareness. They will say things because they're not self-aware. So there is a secrecy shrouded in the economic abuse, both on the, the side of people who are doing it, people knowing it's being done and not telling people. I mean, if I knew that's going on with someone, I'm going to say something because it would be valuable to them. Now, if they're not ready to hear it because they're still married, okay, well, that's nothing you can do about that. And the co-workers who knew about it who didn't say anything, well, nothing I can say about that either. But there, but there is the shame and embarrassment from people who've gone through it as if it's their fault, which doesn't need to be the case. And in this topic, education is power because we want to prevent it. Now, when we're talking about domestic abuse or economic abuse, and, or both of them together, there's a whole cast of what I call the difficult emotions that come up in this subject. Because first of all, you had at some point, hopefully trust and affection for the intimate partner or spouse. And so it's a betrayal to have your money taken. It's a betrayal to find out that uh, family assets have been dissipated. It's a betrayal to be economically trapped in an abusive relationship. And it can be extremely traumatizing. It can be a major trauma and you can be left you know, with all kinds of resentment and anger and loss and sadness and shock and feeling used and exploited, you want to begin and go through the process of dealing with your emotions. That that has to happen no matter what. I mean, the good emotions, the happy, joyful, love, good, really good, happy emotions, you don't pretty much need to process them. It is the difficult emotions that you need to deal with front and center. I mean, you do have to deal with happiness and all that other stuff. I'm not dismissing those emotions and, and the need to process them. But it is the, the difficult emotions, the most painful emotions that will leave people wounded and create baggage moving forward, forward which is not what you want. So it is my strongest admonishment and suggestion that you go through the process of recognizing your feelings about the economic abuse and domestic abuse and that you process them so you can come out on the other side and not be not have this ruin your life. This piece, economic abuse, as well as the piece just domestic abuse, has the potential to ruin someone's life. I know that the executive director for one of the women's shelters that I spoke with some years ago told me that this piece, domestic abuse and in particular economic abuse, ruins people. Their lives are shattered. They never recover. It literally ruins them. 
And that to me is, is not acceptable. It's tragic and it, and it is unacceptable because it doesn't have to be the outcome. But for it not to be the outcome, you have to deal with the emotional pieces. If you're not going to deal with the emotional pieces, which, you know, means for many people it's a trauma. If you're not going to deal with that, you might as well throw it in a box, wrap it up with some pretty paper or ugly paper, and put it in a little wagon that you are going to tow behind you for the rest of your life. No, no, no. That is not what I want for you. That is hopefully not what you want for yourself. So you have to deal with the emotional pieces. And if you need support for that and you need therapy, then get therapy. I do have a podcast about managing and processing your emotions, which might be helpful. But this can be an overwhelming and very deep trauma. So you want to put yourself on a positive path so that your life becomes better and not ruined. Now, I want to give you a couple real-life examples because people find some of this hard to believe. <laughs> I'm telling you. So one example is refusing your spouse to be employed outside the house. Well, that, that happens in a number of ways. So let me give you one example. You might not know this, but in most states, not all states in the U.S., but most states, if you are going to enroll your child into a public school, both parents, if you're married, have to sign the registration paperwork to get a child enrolled into the public school system in most states. If you are married to someone who is economically abusing you so that they can keep you trapped, they would not want you working outside the home where you would actually have access to money. And in that case, they, all they have to do is refuse to sign the registration paperwork and you will not be permitted to put your child into a public school and thus you will be forced to homeschool your child or your children. Yes, that happens. That happens to a certain percentage of people. We don't know how many because most people aren't talking about it, but that's an easy way to keep a spouse out of the workforce. Now, if you have a protection from abuse order, without absent, not having a custody order, many school districts will allow you to register a child into a public school if you have a PFA, a protection from abuse order, or some other type of restraining order. But otherwise, if your spouse will not agree to put your child, to sign the paperwork, to put your child in the public school, you are left homeschooling them. And there are many other ways, by the way, that uh, an abuser, an economic abuser, will will force their spouse or intimate partner out of the workplace, out of the like, through harassment, all kinds of things, all kinds of ways. Another common tactic, is, so keeping someone out of the workforce is a great way to keep someone economically trapped. It's like perfect. Coerced debt is another 
strong strategy for an economic abuser. And that can be done by running up credit card debt or other debt or taking out loans without your knowledge or consent. That happens frequently. And another way to do coerced debt is to put the family into a more expensive home. Like I know someone that uh, the husband moved the family to a different state and increased the mortgage by over 400% as a final entrapment to make it extremely difficult for the spouse to leave. So coerced debt is, is a very strong tactic. Another common tactic is getting rid of marital assets so the target cannot have the money. I know you might be thinking, who would do this? Well, someone who's not well, okay? Someone who's not well would do this. I mean, first of all, who would do economic abuse to someone they love, someone who's not well? I don't know who else would do it. I'm not saying they're all not well, but I'm pretty much saying I don't think they are. Any of them are well. So I know of one case. Oh, and by the way, you can find some really great documentation on the dissipation of marital assets in divorces online. Some of this will happen before a divorce when the economic abuser either knows they're losing control or they know they've lost control. So they're going to you know, take a quick move to try to get rid of any money or any assets or any property simply so the target or their victim cannot have it. In one case, there was an economic abuser who got rid of, get this, over $400,000 in retirement monies, joint marital retirement monies, in five months. Got rid of $400,000 in marital retirement money in five months through stock options gambling, really, just simply so the target could not have the money. Now, a good and fair and just judge is going to look at that situation and is going to say, hmm, you've been investing for 30 years and you've never lost more than $1,000. And here in five months, you've lost four hundred over $400,000. Yeah, that's a no pass. A judge who's corrupt or who's been bribed is going to say, oh, yes, it was just an unfortunate accident. Hmm. So abusers do that. And guess what? Abusers get away with it. There are some really great legal documents that will give you case histories and also how a just judge deals with that. The Another tactic, common tactic, is for an economic abuser to get rid of your credit cards so that they are limiting your access to money in the event of a divorce. And uh, that definitely happens. Another tactic or strategy is for an abuser to take cash out while they're grocery shopping or doing some other kind of shopping, keeping the receipt so that you do not know that the money was was removed. Another action that has happened is an abuser, economic abuser, will get your password, and then 
they can go in. I mean, if you didn't know it was happening, you might not protect your password because you didn't know economic abuse was going on. So you, you don't know what's going on, so you don't know to protect your password or all these other preventive measures you could take if you knew. So an economic abuser can go in to your personal premarital retirement, change your password, change your email, change your phone number to their email, to their phone number, and get rid of your money behind your back without you knowing. Yeah, that actually happened. Um, fake Excel spreadsheets, fake, fake documentation, which, you know, th this stuff happens all the time. So those are seven real ways, actual common ways that an economic abuser seizes control and takes money. Now I have a couple points if you are the breadwinner and you are being abused. And I have another point if you're the breadwinner, um, so if you're the breadwinner and you're being abused, but you happen to still have control over paying the bills and finances, number one, hallelujah, good for you. Hold on to that if you can. Now, there may come a point where your abuser, I mean, the abuser doesn't isn't the breadwinner all the time. In fact, sometimes the abuser is not the breadwinner. But if you're the breadwinner and you're being emotionally abused, but you still are paying the bills, try not to give that up. At a certain point, your abuser may threaten you or may take some action that causes, uh, that's alarming or causes concern. Get some people on a team and get some guidance before you give that up. That's the last thing you want to give up. And, and I mean doing this on the low down and secretly. And if you have to give it up, if you have to give up the bill paying and control of the money, even though you're the breadwinner, don't beat yourself up about it because the primary goal you have is to be safe and come out alive. You'll deal with the money later. Now, if you're the breadwinner being abused and you've lost control of paying the bills and the finances, I want you to be compassionate for yourself. I can totally understand the things that could happen in the background that would result in that. And I want you to do what you both in both cases, you need to do whatever it takes to keep yourself healthy keep yourself alive and keep your job, keep your profession. And, and that might mean you're going to have to like really hunker down on self-care, self-compassion and really growing and developing yourself because this is, this is a trauma. It's a very painful. And I want to mention before I give you some final suggestions, the power of this information. So some of you are listening to this podcast and you really find it hard to believe that people do this stuff. This happens on a regular routine basis if you only knew. If you only knew. Now, as I said in the beginning, the power in knowing about and understanding economic abuse is in preventing it before it begins. And the power in preventing it the power in preventing economic abuse means 
that you could stop someone from being economically trapped in an abusive relationship. So I want you to see how these pieces go together. I've already established from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence website that 94 to 96% of the domestic violence survivors experienced economic abuse. This is a big piece. So I want to repeat this. The power in knowing and understanding economic abuse is in preventing it from happening. And the power in preventing economic abuse from happening is in preventing someone from becoming economically trapped in an abusive relationship. This is very, very powerful in the potential that it has. Well, who do you know who could benefit from this information? Well, I think the bigger question is who wouldn't benefit from this information? How would someone's life change if they knew entering a relationship, an intimate partner relationship or a marriage, that economic abuse could ever even happen? It would be a game changer. So my request is that you share this podcast with the people that you love and the people that you care about so that this does not happen to them. I mean, it still might happen to them, but they have a fighting chance if they know in advance that it's even a remote possibility. All right, here's my... So this is your your way to make a difference in the world. You want to make a, a difference in the world. You want to make a difference in domestic abuse, domestic violence. Here's your chance. Here's your shot. Share this podcast and let's help people become educated in advance to prevent economic abuse. Here are my final suggestions and thoughts. Number one, it is time to recognize that economic abuse is extremely common. Even though we are not talking about this, even though a huge percentage of the population might not even know that it's going on or that it exists, that doesn't mean it's not very common. Number two, an economic abuser can be volatile and very dangerous. If you are dealing with someone who is economically abusing you, you have to put your safety first and or the safety of your children. And that's what has to come first. And sometimes that means you have to wait it out. Sometimes that means you have to wait it out. Sometimes that means you have to get a team. It's it's very difficult, but These people can be extremely dangerous, and I do have a podcast about dangerous people. If you are dealing with domestic abuse or economic abuse or both, your number one priority has to be your mental, emotional, and physical well-being. You, in my opinion, have to put yourself on a path or a journey of personal growth and development. In my opinion, this is what will save you. This is what will change your life. This is what will prevent all of the abuse and the economic abuse from ruining your life. I'm not a fan of allowing someone else to ruin my life. As I have said laughingly to friends, hey, if anyone's going to ruin my life, it's going to be me. I don't give anybody that much power to ruin my life. No, no, no. 
And of course, I'm not going to ruin my own life. Why would I let somebody else ruin my life? People have done really nasty things to me. Ha ha on them. <laughs> I'm still happy. I'm still having an amazing life and it makes them sick. So if you want to win, you take this awful, awful, terrible, painful trauma and you deal with it. You grow your skills, you grow new abilities, you become a better version of yourself, and you win. You might not win financially, but you will win financial in the end. So you've, in my opinion, your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health have to be priority number one. And that might mean, for most people, a lot of changes. And all of my podcasts will help you. My next suggestion is that you bring happiness and love to the forefront. I know that might seem extremely difficult or impossible for some, but you can learn happiness skills. And even in the throes of severe emotional and economic abuse, you can have happiness, you can have love, not going to be with your partner or spouse, but you can still have happiness and love in your life. I don't mean go have an affair. I mean like love from friends, love from family, love from people. You can still have love and happiness in the midst of dealing with, you know, harsh domestic abuse and severe economic abuse. I know that it is possible even if you think it's not. And my podcast will help you with that. My next suggestion is that is really that you start to begin to formulate a plan and let people help you. People have escaped severe domestic abuse, violence, and economic abuse from the beginning of mankind, from the beginning of time. It's typical, though, you are going to need to have some people on a secret team to help you over time. So I do want you to begin to think about making a plan. Think about a beautiful future. Create in your own mind a beautiful future for yourself and live into that. But you have to be quiet. You cannot allow your intimate partner or your spouse to know what you are planning because they will sabotage you they will try to ruin you and they may it may escalate things in a very in a very bad manner so you do have to keep your plans close to your vest and electronic stalking is uh, another piece that um, many abusers if they have the skills will use and they may be reading your email, they may be, you know, stalking you in all kinds of ways so that they have a leg up because they're always worried you're going to leave them or they wouldn't be economically abusing you to make sure you can't. So you make a plan quietly, not in writing into where you live, like you have to have to have really go through this in a, in a very serious way. And I am requesting that you ditch any shame or embarrassment. You can hold on to that. I just don't recommend it. You can manage and process shame and embarrassment and, and deal with it and move on. There is a wealth of information on the web about leaving domestic and a domestic abuse relationship. And there is also a 
very rock-solid, good amount of information about economic abuse. This podcast is not designed to give you the top things to do if you're the target of economic abuse. This podcast is really just the scratching the surface so we can begin to have people understand that it even exists. So there is a wealth of information on the internet about economic abuse. If you are going through it, use those resources. My next thought is I want you to know, I promise you, if you begin the journey to start taking care of yourself, start growing, start developing, start making a plan, start living, you will get through this. I mean, you do have to be safe. Safety has to be number one, and I understand. Understand, I understand all about that. Uh, but I promise you, you will get through this, and let people help you. But I'm asking you to promise me that you are not going to let this ruin your life. Promise me that. Promise me that this is not going to ruin your life because it doesn't have to. It can, it has that potential, and it has for some people, but you're not those people because you are listening to this podcast and you understand you can grow any skill, any ability because of neuroplasticity of the brain, and I have a whole library of podcasts to help you. So please promise me that you are not going to let this ruin your life because that would really make me upset. That would make me sad. All right, here's your takeaways on economic abuse. It's time to start recognizing that economic abuse is extremely common. And the second takeaway is the power in understanding and knowing about economic abuse is in the ability to prevent it from happening. How can you prevent something from happening that you don't even know exists? And my last takeaway is if you have this happening to you, you need to build a team and let people help you. My call to action is that you share this information with people that you love or people that you care about so that it doesn't happen to them. Or in the event that it's happening to them, they wake up and go, oh, guess what? There's a name for what I've been going through. That's it for now. Take care. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 108, Economic Abuse. I certainly hope you can see the value in knowing and understanding economic abuse as a way to prevent it from happening. And as a result, I hope that you're going to share this podcast with the people that you really care about because you do not want this happening to people you care about. Well, I hope not. Share this on social media. You can connect with me on my website. Subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Hang in there for now. You got this. I do love you. That's it.